Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jota, Dundalk, and Cavan. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. We have lots of lovely people to meet over the next couple of hours. Don't forget, I'm continuing my story of Simon Garfunkel, my artist of the week too. We have young rockers from Navin called Noah Onrest. They're from County Meath, actually, chatting to us on the show. Anthony Cunningham's here. He's written a book about 1957. Why 1957 in particular? Well, you're going to find out on this afternoon's Late Lunch. And we're for the birds. Sure, aren't we always for the birds on Late Lunch? Yes, Niall Hatch from Birdwatch Ireland is with us on the show too. If you want to get in touch, 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show, 185715-958 if you'd like to call in. My first guest today, you know him so well, and he's standing by in his illustrious studio somewhere in Misty Kildare. Mr. Keith Barry, welcome to Late Lunch. Thanks for having me, Jerry. How are you? I'm really, really good. It's great to have you with us on the show again this afternoon. It's great to be able to see you. Yeah, finally, you know, it's uh, slowly opening up the world as we know it. And uh, I'm dying to get into their studio to you at one stage. But listen, right now, this is the, the next best thing we've got. It certainly is. Hey, tell them this. What were you doing, Kukin? Was it steak and eggs for your breakfast this morning? Yeah, actually, that's kind of a regular occurrence of mine. I love a good old steak and eggs breakfast. Sometimes I'll have the porridge, but then other mornings I'll just go completely high protein. So yeah, it's six eggs and a steak for my breakfast. So that's, a, that's a good way to start the protein day, I can tell you. Keith, six eggs? Did you say six? Yeah, three eggs, three egg whites, yeah. So whatever that is, that's like 30 grams of protein in the steak. So it's about 60 grams of protein to start the day off, you know. <laughs> and there am I thinking, I'm fancy with me slice of toast and me cup of tea. And I ring this fella this morning. He's telling me he's having a cordon bleu breakfast. Jerry, and- Jerry, you've all, you've all these nutritional experts on your show the whole time. And you're telling me that you have a slice of toast for your breakfast. Come on, those days are gone, man. <laughs> that's all I need, <laughs> Keith. And then maybe a little bit of fruit mid-morning and then a little sandwich. And then I do have my main meal in the evening time. But look at that. That's, that's your way of operating. And obviously, you get the kick from that. You believe a good breakfast is important? Absolutely, yeah. Look, a lot of people skip breakfast and they do this intermittent fasting, which I've done myself in the past. 
Um, but look, do you know what? I, I'm old school. I think breakfast is the most important meal of the day. So for me, I get up and I have a huge breakfast every morning and then I tend to eat light for lunch and, and I don't snack too much and then I have a big dinner, you know? Yeah, there it is. The man himself is modus operandi. And I have to say this one. You don't probably remember a nad on the television from many moons ago for a beer called Bass. The punchline was, ah, that's <laughs> Bass. Tell them why I'm saying that to you today. By God, you caught a cracker, didn't you? Yeah, I love angling, I love fishing. And look, I know we're going to talk a little bit about mental health later on. And for me, I need to empty my mind sometimes. I need to quiet my own mind. So last night, or rather yesterday, yesterday at three o'clock, I just made a snap decision, jumped in the car, drove down to Tremor uh, on my own. It was brilliant. And then I actually called a friend on the way down. I intended on going on my own and he joined me as well. So yeah, anyway, cut a long story short. I caught about, I don't know, about a seven pound bass last night which was amazing and uh, took the picture and then put him back in and he swam away or she swam away happily back into the sea. But it was great just to get down and empty the mind, you know. That's a hell of a fish. I was so jealous when I saw it. But I've turned the tables <laughs> on you a few times myself. You know oh, that yeah. anyway. Uh, anyway, look, it's great to have you with us. And I want to say thank you indeed for inviting me recently to your book launch in Dublin. It was a fantastic Ooh. night. And Brain Hacks is riding high in the best sellers for the last number of weeks. You must be thrilled. Your first book. Yeah, it's brilliant. You know, I, like for me, it's my first book and to have it sell well at all has been amazing. So it's been sitting at number three for the last couple of weeks in the non-paperback or non-fiction paperback. And yeah, it looks so predominantly. It's a book, as you know, about living from a positive mindset and reducing your anxiety and, and reducing your stress. Hence the name Brain Hacks, because it's full of mini brain hacks that people can use on an everyday basis to improve their lives. Now, you mentioned mental health there and you do cover it off in the book, which I have to say I thoroughly enjoyed. Get this book, folks. Lovely Christmas present. And if you give it to somebody, it really will help them. But uh, on LMFM today and across our uh, stations in the group, we're talking about Movember. And you know, it started with growing the moustache, but it's actually widened out from cancer to men's health in in general and particularly mental health. And Keith, when looking at some of the stats today, you know, uh, globally, a man dies by suicide every minute while in Ireland three out of every four deaths are a suicide to a male and a young male in many instances. What's going on? What can we do, you know what I mean, to address that terrible statistic? Well, it's a horrendous statistic to begin with. But and, and, and actually, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, you know, we didn't I didn't know we were going to talk about this until this morning, but I actually know somebody uh, one of my sister's good friends like he uh, unfortunately uh, committed suicide there just a number of months ago so yeah it resonated I knew him very well he was a lovely person so you know I think we all know somebody's being affected by this um, and you know what I, I think it's hard to put your finger on it's a very complex area okay so there's no like one size fits all but what I will say is I think a lot of it in the current age is down to the digitization of our lives and the fact that we're become becoming so disconnected with each other that you know we're losing the humanity of it all and and people are so divided right now you know everyone's like i've just noticed online especially there's a lot of self-righteous people especially with the pandemic so the vaccinated are being righteous about the fact that they're vaccinated and the anti-vaxxers are righteous and everybody's righteous and i'm right and you're wrong and i'm right and i'm like i'm taking a step back myself and i'm like where's the empathy in this where can we just reach out to people? I actually put up just a post a few minutes ago that had nothing to do with our conversation, just about this very stuff. I was like, you know, 
anybody needs a hand, just reach out and DM me through LinkedIn is where I put up this particular post. But for me, ultimately, it comes down to we got to start showing empathy to each other and we have to start calling people who look okay and seem okay and just actually ask them, listen, I'm your buddy, I'm your friend. How are you doing? Like, how are you really doing? Like, you know, open up to me. And I think we have to do that with all of our different friends. So I do it very often, Jerry, with my friends. I just reach out to them and I go, I just wanted to see how you're doing in the middle of all this. How are you feeling? How are you, how, like, really, how are you feeling? Because very often these people seem very strong on the outside, but actually inside, you know, maybe they're not doing so well. I'll, I'll give an example. Me, right? So I'm a very strong person. I'm a very positive person, but I get some down days. Uh, every now and then, not very often, they're never that down that I can't deal with or I can't cope. But sometimes I think I look so strong on the outside. It's not very often that people call me and ask me how I'm doing. Now, I'm actually okay, but I'm just positioning myself in the fact that lots of people look okay. Lots of people look like they're doing well, but they're not doing so well. And we need to reach out to people. That's what I would say. We need to ask people, how are you really doing? And if you're a good friend with that person, they will perhaps open up to you. And, and if they're not doing so well, I mean, my God, you know, we should be kind and we should be uh, not just empathetic, but we should also say, look, I don't have all the solutions. Maybe we should uh, help you by, you know, seeking some professional help and so on. So I th- and I think a lot of it as well with, with the current situation, um, obviously this hasn't been every year. I think, you know, people are drinking too much. They're not looking after themselves as much. Um, and I think we've all kind of been guilty of that. But I think we all also need to take a little step back and actually just be self-accountable. So even though people are struggling, they need to just take a step back for a moment to go, okay, get the basics right, Jerry. Get the basics right. Like we talked about eating breakfast, right? Look, whatever breakfast is for you, but don't wake up and just have three cups of coffee and then go onto your news feed, which is mostly negative, because that'll just drag your mindset down. You've got to put habits in place and stack those habits in order to have the best possible shot of having a positive day every day. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to have negative days, but it means that your coping mechanisms will be much, much better. That's what I would say. Oh, that's absolutely brilliant. I'm hanging on every word, I have to be honest with you, that you say there. And I know that I often, you know, I'm in here every day, like yourself, you're performing for two hours and it's showbiz, this type of thing. And, you know, I have days like you too. I I tell people that, you know what I mean? That, uh, you know, you have good days, indifferent days, days when you're in the dumps as well. And it's the same for everybody. But but you know something, It, it actually adds credence to this one. Here's another one I'll throw at you. Six out of every 10 Irish men don't share how we feel Keith we keep it you know we yeah. bottle it up but, but even me I remember I actually remember specifically I was 21 I was uh, outside a pub in Ballyhawness and uh, and I remember seeing an old school I, we all had mobile phones at that stage so I was 21 the old school mobile phones but I remember seeing an old school uh, just a, a phone in a in a box and I went over and that was the moment the first moment I rang my dad and told him I loved him it was 21 in a, in a phone box in Ballyhawness. And ever since then, we say that to each other all the time and not because we're saying it, it's because we really mean it. But it's an awkward thing, I think, sometimes for uh, males in Ireland to express themselves because we got this kind of macho way sometimes about us. But I think it is important to talk. I mean, listen, if you don't get things off of your chest, if you don't share your issues, they can just stack up internally on top of you. Um, like, I get about two days a year that I feel really down. And as I said, I don't feel really so much down that I can't cope with it. But like one of those, it was just last weekend. 
like Marie would tell you, if, if I wasn't present with the kids and I was just, and I was trying to figure out what was wrong, even in myself, you know what I mean? And it was just, I'll tell you what it was with me. I was just overwhelmed at work. I've just been working so hard and working 18 hours. I was just overwhelmed. And I had a couple of awkward projects that were, and it was just like this darkness uh, in my head. Uh, and, and then it was fine the next day. But I will tell you that if, if I didn't have the coping mechanisms that I have, then ultimately that could really get in on my psyche and, and that could actually really detrimentally affect me. So I would say to people this, anybody who's listening right now who's struggling, A, you got to talk. So you got to find somebody you can talk to. you got to get it off your chest. But then B, you owe it to yourselves to put habits in place that will help your mindset. Um, so if you're struggling, whether that's, you know, first of all, obviously seek professional mental health, health if you're really, really struggling. But then beyond that, we all have our own bit, battles and struggles. So here's what I would say. Put some habits in place. So for example, close your eyes for 10 minutes every day and just creatively visualize whatever it is that you want to creatively visualize. Start to wire your brain the way you want it wired, okay? Because you can, the nerves that fire together, wire together. But then also make sure you got the basics right. I'm telling you now, high-end executives that I work with and sometimes athletes that I work with, they don't even have the basics right. You got to drink loads of water every day. Don't drink during the week. It's easy, Jerry, to have a glass of wine on a Wednesday night. It's easy to stay up late watching Netflix. It's easy to scroll through Facebook. What's not easy is the self-discipline necessary in order to program your mindset to have a positive mind. It's not easy, but you have to have that self-discipline. So the self-discipline is, okay, I'm not going to drink Monday to Friday. I'm going to drink loads of water. I'm going to make sure I get the required number of sleep. Uh, it's self-discipline to reach out to somebody. Like have, have that courage just to reach out, put your hand out, and there will be people there to listen. Uh, and I'd say, listen, I don't care. I'm maxed out work-wise. But look, if anybody's struggling today, find me on Facebook, reach out to me through my messenger on Facebook, and I'll just I'll just be there to listen. It doesn't mean I have like all day to listen to to, to, to respond to everybody on a on a very detailed level, but I will respond to everybody. How about that? That you, reaches out to me on my Facebook. You won't get a better offer on any radio station in Ireland today than that offer there from Keith Barry. We've been very heavy, serious first, and it needs talking about, and it is part of November. Men's health is so important. I want to take a short break. By God, we're going to lighten it up after this because this man is back yeah, on the road sure. and he has a few things lined up for myself. Stay with us on Late Lunch. Keith Barry's with me on Late Lunch and I'm delighted to say he can see me. I can see him today on the webcam. Oh, a very sophisticated, isn't it wonderful? <laughs> Louise wants to know, is that a, a, a jar of uh, chewing gum or gobstoppers or what yeah. behind you there on the, the shelf? Jar of gumballs. Oh, gumballs, um, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a trick that I sometimes do in my, <laughs> my virtual online shows. So yeah, it's a big jar of gumballs. Oh, I see, I see. Anyway, just to tell listeners, as well as the book, Brain Hacks is the book, and we have a copy to give away to you a little bit later on in the show. You're back on the road and you're coming. You're back in the TLT in Drogheda on the 22nd of January with Reconnected, the new show. Yeah, I can't wait. Like, I really can't wait to get back on stage because, you know, it's in my DNA to be on a stage. And I haven't been on a stage since March 7th, really. So this is really exciting. So yeah, January 22nd, call Reconnected. And Jerry, when you hear this, I'm going to teach half of the audience in the TLT in 30 seconds how to hack into the other half of the audience's <laughs> minds. So that's a way to reconnect people straight away right there. So if you could imagine your partner, your wife, your lover, your mother, whoever, whoever you're there with, rambling around inside your subconscious mind. So that's going to be really interesting and freaky for the audience. And then I've got a staple gun rush roulette. So I've got industrial strength staple guns. You know, the really big ones yeah. that put down carbon. 
So somebody's going to be holding those to my eyeballs and potentially shooting uh, staples into my eyeballs. And then I've got a whole thing where we're just based around psychics, which I say, so not to offend anybody, I say, what I'm about to do is fake, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to reconnect people with the other side, but it will be fake, but I'm still going to do it. Mm. And then, uh, and then the end of the show, I'm telling you now, is the craziest, most bonkers, weird ending to a show that I've ever had. And then finally, yes, a crossbow will be shooting arrows at however many miles an hour across the stage uh, through an audience's uh, space, shall we say, on a stage. So there's all kinds of madness in the show. Really excited to get back on the road. Brand new show from start to finish, you know. And tickets available from Ticketmaster. January 22nd at TLT in Drogheda. Keith Barry with a brand new show. Well, what have you for me today to... to, Get me in that mood again or take me back to that love I have of magic since I've been a child. Well, I have a question for you. When was the last time you went on a holiday? I went, will I tell you where and when? Yeah. The last time I went on holiday was to Poland, to Krakow in December 2019. The pandemic was March 2020, wasn't it? Yes. December December 2019. That's a mad place to go. Why did you go there? Um, I'd heard a lot about Krakow and really I wanted to go to go to Auschwitz, to see Auschwitz. Oh, wow. The salt mines, the city itself. One of the most beautiful cities I've ever visited, I have to say, Keith. Incredible. Well, here's a crazy thing. I actually want to go there because I just read The Choice by Edith Eager. Uh, Amazing book if you haven't read it. But here, I'm going to send you on a different holiday and this holiday's inside your head, right? So I've got a brand new suitcase here. Never been used, Jerry. Never been used. And I've also got a brand new luggage tag here. I'm going to take the luggage tag off for the purposes of the experiment. I'm going to just hang it here where you can kind of keep an eye on it. Yeah. So just for the listeners, got a luggage tag in full view hanging off of my T-shirt. Yes. Jerry, if you were to go on a holiday right now with a celebrity. Now, I'm going to say this, not Kylie Minogue, Jerry. We know you We know you have the hots for Kylie. So if you were to go on holidays with a celebrity right now, who would you go on holidays with? Anybody except Kylie Minogue, who would you go on holidays with? My God. And and can that be a minor celebrity or do they have to be a well-known person? Ah, pretty well-known, so everybody might know them. But it can be anybody now. So you can go with somebody just completely bonkers and not so obvious, you know what I mean? Do you want to know who it is? Yeah, yeah. Carol Vorderman. Ah, oh, I like Carol Vorderman. I watched Countdown for a long, long time myself. So, Carol Vorderman. And then, if you were to imagine that you were to call up Carol with a grey suitcase... And you're going to call her and you know she knows about numbers. What would you think are the last three digits of Carol Vorderman's numbers? Uh, telephone number. Last three digits. Ah, <laughs> Keith. Come out of that. How would I know? Well, have a guess. The last three digits. So uh, the last three digits of Carol Vorderman's phone number, I'd say, could be 579. Oh my God! Did you just say five seven nine? Yes. That is crazy. That's crazy. You said no, that. That's, a, that's a wild guess. Yeah, so 579. And then finally, if you were to go anywhere in the world with Carol Vorderman, but just not Krakow or not Poland, where would you go? Anywhere except there. Oh, I'd certainly go to Sorrento in Italy. I love the Amalfi Coast. (laughs) Have have you been to Sorrento before? Oh, I have twice. Yeah, 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 I have. I love the place. So you'd love to go back there with Carol Vorderman. Now, just so everybody realises... We didn't set this up in advance and you had no idea that this was about to take place, correct? Not an iota in the world. So all of that information came from your mind, correct? Just now. And not my mind. And, and like, how would I know, Carol? That, that's a total guess with the numbers that right. I picked her. Is I don't know where. I but love this, Carol Vorderman, I do. 
This luggage tag has been full of you the whole time. Jerry, can you read out loud, please, exactly what this says? <laughs> On the luggage tag, it says the case belongs to the name is Carol Vorderman. The phone number is 579 and the destination, yes, folks, you've guessed it, is Sorrento. <laughs> and that's laminated. Look, that's laminated inside my luggage bag. You see, that's not actually your dream holiday, Jerry. Honestly, it's actually mine. Ah, my, oh, my. That is... She was the first, she was the first person I ever had a crush on. You know, I was Karen. about 12 or 13, mm. countdown and all that, you know. No, I know looks, Rachel Riley is there. Now. Yeah, yeah gonna say that I know Rachel Riley is the successor and I love Rachel too but I'll tell you doesn't Carol Vorderman look well doesn't she on 60 oh, she'll be 61 at Christmas amazing. yeah amazing woman amazing Keith Barry good God almighty <laughs> how did you do that I have a few more minutes have you anything else for me there no that oh, you yeah, yeah. do you want to do you want to try yeah, another one isn't that just crazy crazy we're going to play a little game this game is based upon uh, Squid Games have you watched Squid Games at all Jerry yes Yes, no, I haven't okay, watched. So, no, listen, sorry. I haven't watched it. Let me say I'm aware of this phenomenon. Okay, can I say yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so here's the idea. This is based on Squid Games. Everybody knows the Squid Games is based upon choices and they're generally 50-50 choices or one in three choice. So, Jerry, you're going to make a decision in a moment. Now, bear in mind this decision actually could change your life forever. Jerry, and this is, by the way, this is a routine that I will be doing every single night during Reconnected, okay? Okay. So, Jerry... I have three envelopes here, mine, yours, and a question mark. In a moment, you'll choose one of the envelopes. Whichever envelope you choose, you get to keep the contents. It's as simple as that. You get to keep the contents. Now, Jerry, I want you to uh, just commit to your listeners on the outset. Mine is bigger than yours. Yes? Yes. There's only the envelopes I'm talking about. Yes, I know. know. And and you can say yes on the other thing as well. But anyway, yes, it is the envelopes. So, so you get to keep the contents of one of the three. I'm telling you now, I'm on your side. I want you to win. There's a 10 euro note inside one of the envelopes. I want you to win. I really will send it to you and you can donate it to a charity if you wish. I want you to win the tenner. Now, I will tell you this also. I never put the money inside the question mark envelope, but of course I could be lying to you. Just so you know, I could be lying to you, but I never put the money in the question mark envelope. I'll put it underneath my arm. So now think about this from your perspective. If you pick mine in a moment, that will become yours. And then Jerry, by default, well, yours, well, That'll become mine. Do you want mine? Do you want yours or do you want the question mark? I want the question mark. You see, reverse psychology works every single time. We want what's distant from us and we always want the mysterious question mark. Now that I've said that, though, I will offer you the opportunity, Jerry, to change your mind. If you do change your mind later on tonight, I'm telling you now, you will regret that decision. But if you don't change your mind later on tonight, you'll wonder what would have happened had I changed my mind. Do you want to change your mind or you stick with the question mark? I'll take yours. <laughs> oh, he changed his mind. He changed his mind to yours. Now, I would have never given you an opportunity to change your mind had I not wanted you to change your mind. So, final decision. You can change it back or stick with yours. Your choice. I'm sticking with yours. Let's see what you've won, Jerry. Inside here, there is indeed one note and one note only, and it is a 10-euro note. You are Yay! a winner. I'm up a tenner. I'm up a tenner from Keith Barry. I'm a happy man today. You're not yeah. going to show me what's in the others, are you? He is? Well, I will. Yeah, a lot of people Go think on. that there's a 10 euro note inside all of the envelopes. That's what they actually think, right? So let me open up mine first. You could have had mine. And if you had mine, Jerry, well, you could have had 500 euros. Oh, you could have 500 stop euros, Jerry. The 500 lights, euros. Stop the lights. 
You swapped the question mark I did. back. You had the question mark I for had. a moment. Let's see. There's no money inside here, so you can relax. Okay, right. there's no yeah. money inside here. But you can see inside there, there is a single piece of paper. It appears worthless on the outside until I open it up. Jerry, it's a check. It's a check, Jerry. And it says, whoever chooses this envelope, and that could have been you, Jerry, but instead of choosing this envelope, you didn't. You swapped. You could have won 15,000 euros. <laughs> 15,000 euros. And I thought I'd won today with a tenner. Keith, you're marvellous. We're out of time on late lunch. It's been great having you with us. TLT, the 22nd of January. I will be there. God bless you. It's great to connect with you again today. Take care, Keith. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, isn't Keith Barry just something else? I love him to bits. I really do. And I'm a massive fan of magic, as you know. I always have been all my life. His new book is terrific. It's called Brain Hacks. I was at the launch. I read the book cover to cover. And what we were talking about earlier on, because today we're talking about Movember on uh, LMFM Radio and all of our sister stations as well, Men's Health physical and mental. It's so important. This book will be a huge help to you, honestly, in that aspect of your life. I have a copy here, brand new, hot off the press to give to one of you. Here's the question, and it's a test. Were you listening to myself and Keith? If you were, who was the celebrity, if I had my choice in the world, Bark Eiley, to go on holidays with? Who is she? Who was the one that Keith hacked my brain and found out who she was. Well, look, and I told you who she was, but he hacked me brain. He had it written down before I even will said it on the tag for the case. Who is the celebrity that I told Keith Barry I would love to go on Sorrento, to Sorrento on holidays with? And I had the last three digits of my phone number as well. I never knew it. What's her name? Give me her name and I'll send a copy of the book out to one of you today. Who's my celebrity on holidays in Sorrento? 086-1800-658 WhatsApp or text me to the show with her name and your details and we'll pick somebody for the book before the end of the show. Now, Earl Louise was saying to me this morning, Jerry, did you see that? We're feeding birds is very therapeutic. It's a, it's a lovely thing to do. And I said, yeah, yeah, no, Louise, yeah, it is a great thing to do. We've talked about it many times and I know people who feed the birds and they absolutely love it. They get great satisfaction and enjoyment out of it. So, of course, that just put one man in mind and we had to have a chat with him today. He's a regular on the show. We do appreciate him. Niall Hatch from Birdwatch Ireland. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. Great to be back. Niall, like you and myself and Louise raised the hair this morning on this, there is no doubt that feeding birds, it's something else. It does something for the human spirit, doesn't it? Oh, 100%. I've found that all my life, actually. It's it's, it's a wonderful way to, to make a connection with nature. There's something almost meditative about it as well. It's great for mindfulness, great for just even sometimes mulling things over, losing yourself in your thoughts, those kind of things. That's certainly what it does for me, at least. And I know that in Birdwatch Ireland, we've been contacted by lots of people, hundreds and hundreds of people, who during the, the COVID lockdowns turned to the birds in their gardens as a real source of comfort uh, and entertainment. And, you know, that, that, that they've been bitten by the bug now and that's continuing. So it's been great to see so many more people taking an interest in, in our garden birds, but also in benefiting their own mental health by, by looking after them. Absolutely. And you know, Niall, I don't have to tell you, and I've been at this myself, and you know, we often talk about the Irish Bird Survey, but when a new species arrives, Niall, that is the, just the magic moment, isn't it? 
Oh, it is. I'm exactly the same. So if I get a new bird on my uh, my Irish Garden Bird Survey list each winter, and it's, it's one I've never had in the garden before, or it's maybe one that um, one of my friends or family hasn't had in their garden, but I have. It's it, it really is something very exciting about it. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that you you enjoy that as well. It really is a real thrill. And I think for for people who haven't taken part in a survey like that before before, it might might seem strange or unusual, but they really do become addictive, don't they? They are addictive indeed, Niall. There's no doubt about that. And let's talk about, you know, feeding the birds at this time. A good time to start now as the weather gets harder. Yes, it's the absolute perfect time to start because we've been lucky enough so far. The weather has been relatively mild in the last couple of weeks. Um, a bit wet here where I am in Wicklow, but still not 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 bad at all. Um, but we can be sure that in the next few weeks there will be a cold spell. It's going to get very chilly and that's when the birds really do start to depend on food in the garden. So it's a good time to, to get out there, have your feeders topped up uh, to make sure that they're ready and waiting for the birds when they do come in. You will get many birds feeding on them to begin with straight away, but as the weather gets harder, more and more will come in. And then, of course, what happens is over the course of the winter species are on the move we have migrant birds we have birds that change you know that move different parts of ireland during the, the course of the winter in search of food so as the winter goes on you see this this evolution in your garden different birds coming in replacing other ones it really is very interesting and when you're doing a survey like this of course what it does is it really focuses the mind on that you can really see those changes happening so uh, yeah absolutely it's absolutely great what do you recommend to listeners today who've never done this before is a, a table a good investment feeders what How, you know what do you need really to get started what should you get so the, when you're feeding birds in the garden it really depends on your own circumstances and what sort of garden you have in fact you might not even have a garden you could have a, a balcony or sometimes you can even get feeders that, that, that stick to windows that can be a great way to bring the birds up close and personal to you anywhere in an apartment uh, but really you're looking for for variety there so a bird table make, makes if you have a large enough garden a bird table is great it's a, it's a good uh, place where the birds can feed but they're able to see danger coming if it's quite isolated so they can see if things like hawks or cats are coming for them so they can get out of the way uh, but really, I suppose the feeders are the even more important things. They can go on a bird table. They can be hung on a tree. They can be hung on, on a stick, uh, on a window uh, a window mount, as I mentioned as well. And you're looking for variety here. So you want to have peanuts, I would say. Peanuts are a very good all-round source of food for many different birds. You want to make sure when you're feeding them peanuts that you always have them in those wire mesh feeders. You should never leave them out loose. Uh, they, they should, the, the reason being that if a bird was to take a whole peanut in its beak and swallow it, it, it could easily choke on it. But if it's in these mesh feeders, then there's no risk of that happening because they just take a little beakful at a time. Uh, I I'd say having a couple of different types of seed can be very good as well. Sunflower seed works brilliantly. Uh, you can get a different type of feeder for those, the perspex feeders with little uh, ports in them, little holes where the birds can perch and take out the food there. There's many different sizes of those. And there's also lots of different seed mixtures as well. Some of them are better than others, but you're looking for one that uh, is, I suppose, has a good amount of high quality, high oil seeds in it. So that's why sunflower is so good because there's so much oil in it. That oil, of course, the same as the sunflower oil we cook with, it's very high in calories and that's important for the birds because they need that energy to keep them going through the winter months. Uh, then, of course, another great source of food for them would be uh, fat, suet. So you can get these fat balls or suet treats, all these different things. Uh, and that works very well too. Again, it's pretty much pure energy for the birds. They do very well. It helps them in cold weather. And one of my favorite things to give to birds over the winter is fruit and um, because lots of birds eat fruit and they won't eat other types of food uh, so apples that's a great way to do it if you get some apples and if they're a bit bruised or you know past their best that's no harm for the birds they're not that fussy so you can put them on a bird table or even on the ground or best of all you can cut them in half spear them onto the branches of a tree or a bush and many different types of bird will come on feed on those lots of thrushes will like them a lovely member of the warbler family called the black cap likes them very much as well so they'd be my top tips i suppose for the food and you know Niall, i i, I know we spoke about this one time before 
one and many people said it to me subsequently they never knew you know when the banana goes by its sell by date now really by and it happens at times by god they love them Niall Oh, they do, yes, because bananas, uh, they're very sweet. They're full full of sugar. And the older the banana gets, the more of that starch in it turns into sugar. And that's a very good source of energy for the birds. They're very nutritious too. People know they're full of potassium. Birds need that just as we do. And so bananas work very well. Bananas, pears and apples would be my top three, I would say. Now, how important is it to be consistent if you start? You should start, you know, the old saying, as you mean to go on. It's not great, is it, to like fill them up and then forget about it for a month and come back to it? What's your, your uh, advice there? Yes, definitely. Once you start feeding the birds, particularly in the cold winter weather, it's good to continue it if, if you can. Um, you know, the, the birds... In most cases, unless the weather's very cold, they will cope if the food goes missing, but they do come to rely on it. It becomes part of their daily routine. Uh, interestingly, our studies have shown that uh, although bird feeders can be very busy, you might have lots of birds coming and going from your garden, it's only in the very harshest of weather that the birds actually get their majority of food from them. So in, in sort of relatively mild conditions like we have at the moment, the birds may be getting, you know, take a few bites of peanuts or seeds here and there, but they're going off and they're finding worms, they're finding insects, they're finding natural food like berries, things like that as well, and then coming back for a bit of top-up at the feed. But what they're doing, though, is they're fixing the location of your feeders in the, or your bird tables in their mind. They realise, well, this is a good, reliable source of food. Uh, and I know that when the when the hard winter weather hits, this will be a dependable place to come back to. Because, of course, if the food is just uh, is topped up in the feeders, as far as the birds are concerned, it's an infinite resource. Uh, they, don't, they don't know that a human is doing this. They don't know what's happening. Uh, but they've just realised this is a very reliable source of food. So if the weather gets bad and they've come to rely on that food source and then all of a sudden it disappears, you're kind of pulling the rug out from underneath them a little mm. bit as well. Mm. Um, so I would keep going if at all possible. One about water and where to cite water source for them because when it does freeze water is as important as food isn't it Niall? Oh, very much so. And that's something that people often overlook uh, because birds need water just like we do. They need to they need to drink it and they need to bathe in it. And the strange thing is the colder it gets, the more frequently the birds have to bathe because it's essential for them to keep their feathers pristine condition. They have to make sure there's no dust or dirt or parasites in there because the, the feathers are really their insulating blanket that keep them warm on the cold winter nights. So if there's any gaps or dust or dirt in there, it, it damages the insulation properties and makes them colder. So they have to wash and they need to drink as well. And of course, the thing is, if the temperature drops below, freezing, all the puddles and ponds and streams that they would normally uh, drink from and bathe in, they all freeze over. So having fresh water out in the garden is a really important thing to do. Now, in terms of where you would put it, you want to have it somewhere fairly open so that the birds can see danger coming. Uh, so having a dish on your bird table, uh, that's a really great, great way to do it because it's up high off the ground. It's very hard for anything like a fox or a cat to sneak up on the birds. And of course, if you have that in a position in the garden, you know, where it's nice and visible from all around the garden, but maybe with some cover nearby, such as a bush or a shrub or something where the birds can dart in if something like a sparrowhawk arrives. That's one of the things that sometimes happens when you feed birds in the garden. Sparrowhawks will come in and try to feed on the birds and that's part of nature. That's exactly, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what happens. Um, but you can make it a bit easier for the birds if you if you make sure that they have an escape route. Uh, but if you don't have a bird table, you can actually put uh, a bowl on the ground. Just make sure that if there are cats prowling around the air or anything like that, that you have enough space on the ground that the birds can see danger coming. Because when they're drinking and bathing, they're very vulnerable. Uh, their heads are down. Um, really, when birds drink, actually, they want to get over and done with as fast as possible. But birds actually drink water in a very different way to the way that we do. Um, we can just swallow it down and use, use suction essentially to drink water. Birds can't do that. They have to take a big full of water at a time, tilt their heads back and let gravity, let it trickle down to their stomachs. The only exception to that are the pigeons and the doves. They can stick their beak in and use it like a straw to just slurp up the water. So they drink very quickly. The other birds, they're actually quite vulnerable when on the ground trying to get enough water because it's, it's quite a laborious process for them. So anything you can do to make them safe and make it just that little bit, uh, I suppose, more protected for them, 
makes a big difference. Ah, uh, you know, I'm smiling here as you say that because I have resident starlings and uh, the dog uh, the dog is out around the garden all the time and I always top up his water and you'll see them come down to it. Now, some bathe in it as well, but they certainly take, and I see them doing that, as you said, head up in the air and letting the, the water go down the throat. But the other thing about them is uh, I have some ash trees out around the front of the house with the they're laden with berries at the moment. Now, and when you see, you know when a, a, a group of starlings all appear here, all of a sudden they go in, bang, 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 and they're gone like a shot. Yes. Feeding on the berries. It's something to behold too, isn't it? Oh, it is. And it's amazing how efficient they are at stripping a tree of its berries. And we get people contacting us sometimes in Birdwatch Ireland and saying, oh, what can I do? All the lovely red berries on my tree or on my bush are being eaten <laughs> by the birds. But of course, that's that's what nature intends. The, the, yes. the tree wants its berries to be eaten, I suppose, insofar as a tree can want anything. That's sort of the bribe to the birds in terms of food, nice, sweet, sugary food that helps the birds then encourage the bird to spread the seeds of those bushes. So, yeah, they can strip it very, very rapidly. Um, so, yeah, that, that always makes me smile as well. Murmurations. Is this the time or what? when are you talking about when those phenomenal we've had them up this neck of the woods in a couple of different places in the northeast is this the time or is it later or earlier or what Oh, they, they, they are gathering at the moment. So the process has already started, these massive gatherings of starlings on on, on, the, on the winter evenings. It's, it's such a sight. But it will only get better and better as we move towards Christmas. So I usually think around Christmas time is when it's at its absolute peak. So you want to get out in, in sort of the second half of December to the first half of January, that kind of time. You can really okay. see them at their best. And for those who have never seen a murmur, starling murmuration before, I, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. It's just mm. mind-blowing what those birds do. It's incredible. Are there any no-nos when it comes to food, Niall? I know you mentioned stale bread before that's certainly not good a blue mold bread anything else you shouldn't feed them Oh, yes. Well, yes. Anything with mold on it would be very harmful to the birds. And in fact, bread itself, it's not a great food. It's not its not too bad. I mean, a bit of bread won't do the birds any harm. But if it becomes their main source of food, then it's lacking quite a lot of essential um, vitamins and minerals and so on that they would need. Lots of carbohydrates, but not too much protein and other things. So um, if you're feeding birds bread, things like wholemeal or whole grain bread would be better. But better still would be stale cake. And over Christmas, if you had any leftover Christmas cake or Christmas pudding, the birds would absolutely love that. You want to avoid giving birds as well anything that has salt in it. So birds are very um, uh, susceptible to being poisoned by salt. So they have a much lower tolerance of it than we humans do. So um, if, if things like you're putting out household scraps um, from the table for the birds, things like potatoes, mashed potato works great for birds, cooked rice works great, but not if it has salt added to it. So they won't be able to have that. And also if you're putting out um, table scraps as well, there's lots of things they can eat. They like to have the, the, the fat off meat, but don't put out poultry fat for them because it, it remains too soft and too liquid at, at normal temperatures. So that means that it's much more likely to smear on the bird's feathers and, and cause them problems. So um, beef and pork fat and things like that are fine, but no, no turkey fat or chicken fat. Uh, and also you want to avoid anything that is too dry. So things like um, things like desiccated coconut or uncooked rice. Cooked rice is grand, uh, but uncooked rice, if the birds uh, eat it, it can actually swell up in their stomachs and cause them a lot of discomfort. So it's not so good for them. Um, but aside from that, the birds can mostly eat anything that we humans would eat. Um, just a quick word of warning, though, if you are putting out cake and fruit cake for, for, uh, for the birds, I should mention this. If you happen to have a dog or there are foxes around, be very careful because uh, raisins are actually very poisonous to dogs and to foxes. They're fine for birds and for humans, but not for dogs. Mm. So people should just bear that in mind as well. Mixing oats with fat. Uh, listener wants to know, no problem with that. That's a combination. It's fine. 
Oh, it's a wonderful combination. Absolutely. You can make you, what I, I actually do is put those inside yogurt pots as a mold to sort of set them and then put a string through them and put them out uh, hanging from a tree or from a bird table. And it's a great project to do with kids as well. Kids absolutely love this. They get their hands dirty, but they also see that this fun arts and crafts project that they've done actually benefits the birds. And when children have done that and they make that connection in their own minds that oh, I've done something nice for the birds, I've helped them and now they're surviving because of me. It's a wonderful feeling. It really opens a whole world of possibilities to them. Niall, you've set us fair for the bird feeding season in our gardens for 2021 into 2022 and while I mentioned 2022 folks I couldn't but highly recommend the Birdwatch Ireland 2022 calendar it's only 8 euro uh, plus uh, post and packaging from Birdwatch Ireland birdwatchireland.ie it's simply beautiful and it'll adorn any room in your house and you're supporting them as well I am a member myself they do great great work Niall thank you so much for joining me until the next time my pleasure. Thanks very much. Bye for now. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Niall Hatch there from Boardwatch Ireland. What a man. Isn't he a mine of information? He really is. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. 1957. Loud people. Gales in particular will never forget that year. But in a while, I'm talking to a man who's written 300 pages about 1957. That and him and more to come. Stay with us on Late Lunch. Keen on your late lunch this Thursday afternoon from the album Hopes and Fears 2004, the debut single from that album are still brilliant after all these years. And on the subject of entertainment, reminding you that next Wednesday night at the TLT in Drogheda, well, the TLT are honouring and justifiably honouring the great man Tommy Leddy. Yes, he's having a retirement gala concert. It'll be hosted by the brilliant Ronan Collins and feature Nathan Carter, Shannon Shannon, the Conqueror Show Band and many more. For more information on what's going to be a fantastic night, do get in touch with the TLT, the Theatre in Drogheda, or check it out on tlt.ie. Meanwhile, at the venue in Rathoth, the Bob Dylan Roadshow, a new tribute band featuring all of Dylan's greatest music, takes to the stage on Thursday, the 25th of November. Again, further information can be obtained from the venue, rathoth.ie. Louise, do you feed the birds, or did you ever feed the birds, or are you... Uh, a garden out where you are jeepers you must have some selection of little feathered friends and big feathered friends too yeah there's loads mm. loads of wildlife around me it's yeah lovely. It's do you feed see. them or is it something when you listen to Niall would it you know no co- I was listening there to Niall so I know exactly now what to feed them and what Good. not to feed them and keep away from raisins for the dog and yes you know the raisins just be I suppose mindful that you know sometimes you put out food and you attract the wrong kind yes. of yes and, and that's what people fear people let's animals. call a spade a spade yeah. rats and 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 uh, vermin like that that will come but i think if you feed on the tables and the feeders and hang it up on that you've less like if you ground feed you know what i mean if you throw it out on the ground i think it's more likely now i'm not saying rats and that are clever they'll come round the base of uh, uh, bird tables as well you know and and uh, you have to be careful of that. but you just you're right you got to keep an eye on that as well but as i said tonight Louise the first time I saw goldfinches come to my garden the colour on them I, you, when you go down the fields you'd see them but not really, really around the garden I saw a pair of them one day you know I, I, I thought I won the lotto <laughs> I felt that oh it gave me such a lift it does lift the spirit you know what I mean it lifts the spirit it is lovely and it's a lovely hobby and pastime to have listener there saying Jerry won't believe it my cat feeds along with the magpies that comes in from Paul Mullen and Kells today lovely to hear from you Paul my god well you wouldn't tussle with a magpie Louise 
no. with their chest stuck out. <laughs> They'd give a cat a run for their money, wouldn't they? Oh, the magpies and the boys. There's no doubt about that. Anyway, we love our birds. We love our fretted friends. We love our wildlife on late lunch. Next up on the show, 1957, a book all about it. Anthony Cunningham tells us why. My next guest hails from Ballamackenny, just outside Drogheda. He graduated in medicine from UCG in 1971, worked in Canada and the United States for a time before being appointed consultant in anaesthesia and critical care medicine in Beaumont Hospital in Dublin. And he's a professor of anaesthesia with the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland. You might think we're going to talk medicine for the next while and anaesthesia, etc. Not a bit of it. Anthony Cunningham has written a book about 1957. Now, I know he's a loud man and 57 is a special year to people from the Wee County, but is that the real reason he's put this book together? He's on the line. Anthony, welcome to Late Lunch. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Not at all. Well, will you answer that first? Is it the loud All-Ireland win link that prompted this or something else? Well, it was prompted by my nine-year-old grandson at the time, and he asked me what was life like when he, when I was his age. And when I was his age, and I was nine, I was living in Ballamackenny. It was 1957, and three just monumental things happened that year. If you were in Ballamackenny and you were nine years old, the big one, of course, was Loud winning the All Ireland. Uh, for the first time since 1912. But then we had Soxburn, uh, the uh, Galbraith uh, Bakery uh, salesman, who uh, in the Royal Albert Hall in January of that year, uh, he was the Olympic bronze medalist from, from Melbourne the year before, but he beat Dick McTaggart, the Englishman, who was the gold medalist. He knocked him down in the second round, and he won a unanimous points decision. And then Philomena Garvey, just from a few miles away in Beltray, came back with the British Open uh, Amateur Ladies Golf Championship. She was she won 15 uh, Irish championships, but that year uh, she was the, the British uh, champion. So I, I, I got thinking, and uh, I modelled it then on Bill Bryson, uh, somewhere in America, 1927, when he so eloquently described that year, uh, Charles Lindbergh uh, flying across the Atlantic, Babe Ruth home runs, the Charleston dances. And I said to myself, if he could write about a year, 24 years before he was born, why couldn't I sit down and try and remember what happened that year? What other things besides uh, all the loud things? Uh, and that, that's what gave me the inspiration. And over the next two years, uh, then I completed the task and we published it there uh, two or three months ago. We've had a few launches the, in Baltray, the County Loud Golf Club in Baltray, two weeks ago uh, in Dublin the, last week, and then in Charlie Burns Bookshop in Galway uh, last week. So that that was what it, it all started with my grandson and a simple question: What was life like when you were young? <laughs> Isn't that just brilliant? And you know, it, when you look at the year and what you've put together, thirteen events, uh, if I could say local, national, and international, to use a, a well-used phrase on this station here. Um, it, it was an incredible year and I have to say you've done more than justice to all of the events this is a brilliant work Anthony it truly truly is and I've picked out a couple just to, to, to talk about today um, Bridge Over the River Kwai now yeah. that was a big movie at the time wasn't it? It was because there was some very big other movies up for nomination that year uh, 
there was witness for the prosecution, there was plate in place, there was 12 angry men. So it was serious competition. Uh, and it walked away with seven of the Academy Awards, the best film, obviously, David Lean, uh, the best director, um, the best musical score, uh, Colonel Bogey, uh, March, the best adaptation from, uh, from, a, from a book, uh, Pierre Boulle's book. Uh, so it, it, was, it was a movie sensation. And uh, everybody was whistling the Colonel Vogue March. You know, it, it was it was everywhere. You've mentioned golf and GAA. Let's talk about soccer for a minute. Yeah. And that unforgettable day, the 19th of May, 1957, at a sold-out Dalyman Park. Mind you, the Aviva's sold out tonight for Ireland-Portugal. But just think about it in 57. Two-legged World Cup qualifier. We'd been hammered in Wembley in the first leg, 5-1. But we went one up on England. And this would have been an historic win. Yes, it would have. And there was just three teams in the group. There was us, England and Denmark. And both England and ourselves beat Denmark home and away. And as you mentioned, we lost 5-1 in, in Wembley. Uh, and Alan Kelly, the just a 17-year-old from Condra goalkeeper, he took the blame uh, for really that heavy loss. And that. And they made a number of critical substitutions. Tommy Goodwin uh, replaced him in goals and that. But we went uh, one up uh, uh, Alf Ringstead after just three minutes. And the whole uh, 87 minutes on tender hooks, and then one minute into extra time, John Attio uh, equalised, and Philip Green, the Radio Erin commentator, his famous remark was the stunned silence here at Daly Mount Park can be heard all the way to Nelson's Pillar. Ah, oh, the late, great Philip Green. Many's a commentary I hung on on my little tranny at home as he brought us the international games and the League of Ireland as well. The silence, a tail with the goal. Bad scramps to him anyway. Anyway, we beat them subsequently, which is not so bad. The other thing you look at is science because... Sputnik, people listening today, you might remember the Sputniks, uh, the USSR, they won the race, Russia, to put a satellite into space. Yes, they did. It was the 4th of October. Uh, they launched the first uh, satellite into orbit that began the space race. It, it was just a small battery-operated device, and the battery power just uh, lasted uh, just a few weeks uh, before it, it failed, it, it stops sending out signals. It was picked up by radio transmitters uh, all over the, the world, and that. But people used to, uh, when it was uh, circling, uh, you know, the, the, the globe at the, at the time, used to look up at night, thinking that they could see the satellite. But it was a tiny. Uh, just a few feet, uh, so it, it was a bit of a stretch of the imagination that anybody could have seen it. But then it, it came back into the atmosphere, I think, in January of the following year. But it began the space race, which ended then in 1969 when the Americans uh, uh, put put the man on the moon. There were many political milestones in 57 as well. Eamon de Valera, it would be his last hurrah Taoiseach. That's correct. Um, the uh, the uh, the the public uh, uh, withdrew the support. They were part of the. They they were uh, sort of a. Uh, supply and you know supplying support for the government. They had been part of the the earlier uh, inter-party government, but they were sort of propping up John A. Costello's administration. And then uh, when the government uh, got tough on the IRA after the Brookborough raid, they put down a motion of no confidence. And then there was an election in nineteen and the fifth of March 
of that year and uh, Fianna Fáil uh, won an extra 10 seats and they had a very comfortable eight-seat majority. Uh, but that was the first time that Sinn Féin, on an abstentionist policy, they fielded a number 19 candidates in all and they got four uh, seats um, and uh, something like 5.6% of the of the first preference vote. So th- that was quite a feat for them uh, with the sympathy after Sean South and Fergal O'Hanlon after they lost their lives in a gun battle on the streets of uh, Brookborough on New Year's Day of that year and the hugely emotive funeral of Sean South which went through Dundalk and Drogheda on the way to Dublin. Uh, O'Connell Street was lined at lunchtime that that particular day with this cortege and then arriving just about midnight in Limerick, 20,000 people uh, waiting there and then 50,000, the largest funeral in Limerick since the uh, the Lord Mayor's uh, Casey and, and O'Callaghan way back in 1921. So there was a huge uh, sort of groundswell of interest in uh, the, the border campaign, which had just begun a few months before that. But uh, th- that that was de Valera's last stand uh, running as Taoiseach. He was 75 at the time. And two years later, then, he ran for the first time uh, uh, as president. Uh, he, he ran against uh, General McGowan. Uh, the Fine Gael candidate, and he won the first term. Then he won a second term in 1966 against Tom O'Higgins. It's uh, so interesting, and you go into such depth as well. There are 13 chapters, 13 stories, and uh, sport does run right through the, the veins of this book. We beat France a significant win in January of the year in the Five Nations as well, and Ronnie Delaney, our lovely Ronnie, I've interviewed him on a couple of occasions. He's a wonderful man. He's included as well. As well, and, and last week in Dublin uh, at the launch, we had Ronnie Delaney himself because we featured a race that in, in July of 1957, where Ronnie Delaney, our Olympic gold medalist from Melbourne, was running in Lansdowne Road on the grass track, five circuits in a mile, and he beat Derek Ibbotson, who just 10 days before, Derek Ibbotson was English, 10 days before in the White City, he had smashed the world record. So you had our Olympic 1,500-metre gold medalist Ronnie Delaney up against Derek Ibbotson. There was 25,000 in Lansdowne Road that afternoon. I was one of them. It was the uh, the only time, actually, that my mother, uh, as well as my father, went, was with me at a sporting event and that. And it, it's something you would never, ever forget. And last week, we had both Ronnie Delaney and Niall Brophy. Niall Brophy is the last surviving member of the Irish rugby team that beat France uh, 11-6 on January 1957. France had beaten us the previous three times, and we had a dreadful season the year before. Uh, We lost 20-0 to England and Twickenham, and Tom Reid, the Limerick man, coming off the field that day, said we were lucky to get the nil. So uh, there was very little. There was 45,000 in Lansdowne Road that day, and Niall Brophy was a 21-year-old UCD commerce student uh, and the first time he got the ball he scored a try he scored a try in his in his debut he went on to get 20 caps for Ireland two Lions tours and himself and Tony O'Reilly as far as I know are the last surviving members of that team 
Tony O'Reilly then, uh, his uncle uh, was Dermot Riley. He was a very well uh, prominent businessman in Drogheda at the time. But Tony O'Reilly mm. is still alive. He's living in France, as far as I know. And Niall Brophy came along to the launch with Lovely. Ronnie Delaney and we had video clips. Ah. Uh, they news video clips of him. And it was very emotional for him because he hadn't seen it before. Yes. Well, you know something. You are a mine of information. And thank God your grandson prompted you to write this absolutely brilliant book. Again, I congratulate you on it. Where can people get hold of it or how? Yeah, it's at Waterstones uh, in Galway. Or sorry, in Drogheda. Waterstones in Drogheda. Uh, I'm going to go up to RD and Dundalk on, on the weekend and uh, I'm going to leave it in some of the bookshops uh, there. Uh, that's uh, one way, but AnthonyCunningham1957.com That's the website. So um, the, if, if you're in, in County Loud and draw to Waterstones, uh, hopefully in RD on the weekend. Great. And hopefully in Dundalk, but Anthony Cunningham, 1957. Com is the best place to get it. Yeah. You've done a service and it's a credit to you, let me say. I wish you well with it and thank you for joining me on the show today, Anthony. Well, thank you. And, and thanks also to Eamon Duffy, uh, my good friend in Drogheda, who, uh, uh, who was so supportive of me at the launch and who organised things so well for me and, uh, and set up the, the, uh, the meeting with yourself. No bother. Thanks, Anthony. Wish you well. Take care of yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This book is fantastic. Will I put it on my shelf? Will I hold on to it? I love it. No, I'll give it to one of you. All you have to do for this book, text or WhatsApp 1957 with your name and details and I'll give it to one of you. I promise. Stay with us on Late Lunch. Jerry, feeding birds is a fantastic thing. I feed them all of the time, all of the year round too and I love to see them coming to my garden. Bullfinches, chaffinches, blue tits, goldfinches. Oh my God, there's somebody living in a bird, a feather haven. Well done to you and it's lovely to hear people who love feeding the birds and welcoming them to their gardens. Still to come on late lunch this afternoon, yes, my artist of the week, Simon and Garfunkel. I have a lovely song for, for you today from the boys and it's a special dedication to a friend of mine and we're going to meet a couple of the boys from Noah. They're a me, the rock based group and we're talking to them today about how music has sustained them uh, through difficult times this last year and a half or so but taking us towards news weather and sport at three o'clock if I only had me glasses on I could see it it is UB40 Chrissy Hind and I got you babe I hope we got you on late lunch forever and ever and ever they say we're young and we don't know won't find out Let's do the housekeeping. Keith Barry's new book, Brain Hacks, is going to Lisa Noon this afternoon in County Mead. Well done to you, Lisa. Yes, Carol Vorderman was the celebrity I'd be heading to Sorrento with on holidays for my next break. And the 1957 book by Anthony Cunningham. We're sending that one to Vivian Weldon. Well done to you. It's a cracking book. It really is. You're going to enjoy both those books, ladies. They're fantastic. Thanks to everybody who WhatsApped and texted us. The names go into a, a drum. We just spin it round and out they come at random and uh, Vivian and Lisa were the lucky ones this afternoon. Enjoy the reading of those lovely, lovely books. Now, my artists of the week, as you know, are Simon and Garfunkel. And by 1980, having gone it alone, both of the boys' careers were floundering. Then, in 1981, they inadvertently got 
a big break when they reunited to play a concert in Central Park on September 19th, 1981. In fact, I was watching it only a couple of weeks ago, one evening on the television. And that concert in 81, more than half a million bailed into Central Park for that gig. And it was a win-win scenario on a couple of fronts. The boys' profiles rocketed and the redevelopment of the park was kick-started with uh, a lot of the proceeds from the concert. Central Park was a no-go area. It was in decline. It was shocking at that time. But look at it today. It's simply beautiful. Yet again, however, after a follow-up highly successful tour on the back of the Central Park gig, the relationship fractured and the remainder of the 80s passed with little or no contact between them. Shocking, wasn't it? They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1990 and made up again uh, to sell out a 21-day tour in 1993 right across the states but what were they like on off on off they were like teenagers going out for years the way they were acting two adult men anyway I'll conclude the story tomorrow on the show but for today I want to dedicate my Simon and Garfunkel song to a very special friend yes Miss Cecilia Quine who I haven't seen in a while due to the Covid she may be listening in Kildare this afternoon see you soon see Celia, this is for you. Simon and Garfunkel, my artist of the week, with Cecilia. Especially for Cecilia Quine listening, I hope, in Kildare this afternoon. She'll catch the podcast anyway, I'm sure. If she isn't listening live to the show, I wish her well. Yes, I'll conclude my Art Garfunkel and Paul Simon story on late lunch tomorrow afternoon with another little ditty from them. I have a nice song for you tomorrow and more about the boys as well. Coming up on Late Lunch after a final break this Thursday afternoon, we're going to chat to two young fellas. Yes, they're part of a rock band from Rathoughton County Mead called Noah. And I mentioned at the top of the show to Keith Barry, and Keith spoke eloquently about it, that this is Movember and men's mental health is in focus this month. And these boys have a great story about an album they put together during difficult times and how they coped as young men with all the stresses and strains involved. Stay with us on Late Lunch. We started the show talking about Movember and we ended today on uh, in the same vein. Let me tell you this. Here's a stat for you. Uh, a recent study highlighted that the current pandemic has had a significant impact on the emotional well-being of men, particularly young men aged 18 to 24. We'd listen to this. 63% claiming their mental health had been impacted by COVID-19. Well, we're going to talk to two fine young men now because during lockdown, uh, Noah a rockers from Rathoughton County Mead produced a wonderful album and we're going to hear them in a few moments as well but I'm delighted to welcome a too late lunch this afternoon keyboards and bass guitarist Adam Rooney and vocalist and guitarist Ryan Hill welcome boys Hi, how's it going? Very good. Great to have you with us on the show. You heard me mentioning that there, and you are young fellas. Adam, what about, you know, the last 18 months, almost two years at this stage? You guys had to work apart. You did brilliantly to pull an album together. Did you find it tough, Adam? Yeah, um, yeah, like for the most part, I mean, 
besides being a musician, I suppose the past 18 months has been hard for, um, hard for everybody. Um, and we all have our own individual struggles along with that. Um, but as a band, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot in our way, to be honest. I mean, the lack of the live music industry, um, and the lack of available gigs really, really like sort of not, didn't set us back, but it was, it was just a bit of a challenge that we had to sort of see could we get around. And so we're only recently back gigging and, uh, we're starting to grow our fan base now. Um, so it's a bit of a stunted growth or takeoff, but, um, for the most part, it, it's been good and it's been challenging at times because as I said you feel like you've been held back just a little bit because most one of the most important things about being in a band is playing live and seeing people and, mm. and that sort of thing so in that regard it has been difficult For you Ryan you know how important was it to you know maintain a good uh, outlook on life uh, with the boys that you could work remotely and link together as a group and and, and work on a project how how significant was that in terms of good mental health Like I think when it came to sort of over the the lockdown and stuff like that it was very important that we had each other in a way you know because we had something to work towards which was working towards the, the EP and stuff like that um, it was almost like a, a breath of fresh air to obviously have the two lads and stuff if you ever wanted to, to talk to each other or whatever, you know. Mm. Um, and as well as that, we had something to sort of focus on, you know, over the lockdown. So it made it somewhat easier, you know, and we all kind of had the same goal to sort of produce the the best work we can. Um, and once again, just having each other, you know. Do you talk? You know, uh, we, we, we spoke about this with Keith Barry earlier on the show and we're of a different age, he and I and that as well. But as young fellas, do you actually say to each other, uh, Ryan, you know, how the hell are you? You know, instead of, you know, you know the way we get on and we don't really address the issues as boys and men. Yeah, like I think it's something that we sort of had to, to learn to do ourselves. And like we've been kind of, as I said, like kind of over the lockdown over the past few months, we have been fairly busy. And sometimes it gets to a stage where you do have to stop and say, how is everybody doing, you know, in the mm. band? Because you start, and I'm presuming it happens to everybody else with work or anything else like that, that you do have to kind of stop, you know, ask your friends and even family, how are you actually getting on, you know? Um, but I think it's something that we've learned over the lockdown that it is very important. Mm, it's brought it home to you and, and many others yeah. as well. What is it, Adam? Is it just a boy thing, just to come back and focus on that for a moment, that it's not macho, it's not cool to, you know, go a little deeper or ask those significant questions? Mm, yeah. I, I don't know if it's just a male thing or is it a person thing. Mm. Um, like, we have female friends as well, so, like... I don't know if it's just a, I think it's I think it's more of a generational thing maybe that younger people are more aware of how they're feeling and how to express how they're feeling um, and a good outlet is to have conversation with your friends but I also do stress as well like make sure your friends are in the right place before you ask them and you unload on them because to be fair there'd be no point in me coming up to Ryan Ryan's already in a terrible place and me loading him with my terrible things. So you have to start the dialogue and and understand each other's boundaries of what you can ask and what you can share. And if it's okay at them parts in time to actually say it, because we don't know what's going on in each other's people's, like in each other's heads. So we have to um, be sort of like hedonistic and just, you know, make sure it's okay to express mm. first. And obviously as well, 
our friends aren't therapists. So if you actually do need help, there are professionals and helplines which can help you. Um, like, but the, the casual, are you okay? Is there anything bothering you? Is is perfectly, yeah. I think it's perfectly normal and acceptable for males these days. I think that's so, you make the point so well. You really, really do. Uh, and, and well said, may I say. Anyway, I think I upgraded you to an album from an EP, did I? Or, or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you know what? It counts as an album because there's six tracks. Yes. So, um, in the chart, in the chart in the record label world you're you're correct yeah. ah good thank thankfully I had a, broke out in a little cold sweat there to be honest with you <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen boys you're very good to join me on this day and to talk about what we've spoken about we're going to play out uh, with the song now in a moment The Darkest Hour and we always say after the darkest hour comes the dawn for sure but look I wish you well and continued success and we're rocking all the way with you thank you for joining me on the show lads Thanks, Cheers, thanks. Cheers, thank you. Take care of yourself. That's Adam Rooney and Ryan Hill there from Noah from uh, Rathoton County Mead. Great young fellas, aren't they? And I encourage you to hear what they have to say. Friday on Late Lunch, we're talking kindness. Yes, kindness. It's so important. Tony Hines is with us. Sustainable soap. Yes, you're going to hear all about it. Tara Walker does the soup. It's mushroom tomorrow. David Sheehan looks at the sport and we'll have your riddle on Friday. But we do leave you today as Eddie Caffrey waits to take the hot seat with the drive in the company of the wonderful Noah. And here it is for you. We'll see you tomorrow at half one, the darkest hour. Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dogan Cabin. Order your new Dacia Duster or the all-new Dacia Sandero and Stepway. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.